Thank you to those that have tuned in for today's episode. I do want to go ahead and warn you that while we were doing the interview, someone was playing the piano a couple rooms over. So if you hear a piano sound or someone talking in the background, please discredit it. Please just ignore it and listen to the interview. I pray that it will be a blessing to you. I wish I could have took the piano music out, but I was unable to. So just please disregard it. I'm so sorry that it happened, but please disregard it. And I hope and pray that this message will be a blessing to you. We'll go ahead and jump into the episode. Well, hello, everyone. I am your host, Colton Prater, and this is the Fires of Revival podcast. And as always, I'm honored that you would take the time to listen to this episode. And for today's episode, we're going to have a special guest, my pastor, Brother Lloyd Warren. He's been my youth pastor my entire life growing up. And then this past year, he's now the pastor at my church, so he's my pastor, and I'm honored to have him on for today's episode. And before we jump into the interview, we'll be asking him questions and so forth about his life and ministry. But before we do that, we're going to open up with a word of prayer and then jump into our questions. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for me to record this broadcast. I ask that you be with me and Brother Lloyd as we record this interview, that you give us both clarity of mind and thought and calm any nerves we may have and just allow this podcast to be a blessing to anyone who listens to it. And then, Father, I ask that if there's anyone who is listening to this broadcast when it gets published, that they'll just take it, the application that's given to them, and they'll apply it, and that they'll use this interview as an encouragement to help them draw close to you, and you'll just use it to challenge their life, Father, and in your Son's name. Amen. So for today, we have my pastor, Brother Lloyd Warren, and we'll be asking him several questions about his life and ministry here so you can get to know him. But first off, I just have one simple question for you, Brother Lloyd, and yes, that is, how did you get saved? How did you trust Christ as your Savior? Uh, I was five years old at the time, so I was just uh, just a child. I uh, grew up in a Christian home, so I was attending church as soon as I was born and attended nine months before I was born. Uh, our family was living in Fedville, Georgia, and uh, I can distinctly remember the pastor of the church we were attending uh, preaching on the subject of hell, and I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I knew that that was the penalty for sin, and uh, I was too afraid to go forward during the church service, but when I got home that, uh, that day, I talked with my parents, and uh, they showed me from the Bible how I could know that heaven would be my home, and I received Christ as my Savior. So I was very fortunate to be able to have gotten saved at such a young age. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful there. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to get that settled today when you listen to this, whenever that may be. Talk to your pastor. Feel free to contact me. You can reach out to me through social media, through email there on the podcast website and so forth. But if you have any questions, get that nailed down. It's the most important thing you could ever nail down in your life is where you're going when you die, whether heaven or hell. And you can get that nailed down through the Bible. We can show you that heaven can be the place that you're going to go when you pass away. So if you're listening and that story resonated with you and you never made that decision, please get that settled today. But question number two here for you, Brother Lloyd. I know that growing up you had a heart for missions and I know you wanted to be a pilot and you did pilot license when you were younger. But I know that now you're a preacher and you're not in missions, so could you maybe tell the audience how God changed your desires from wanting to be a missionary pilot to being a, now a pastor? Uh, yes, sir. I, I've always, uh, growing up, I thought the Lord was calling me to the mission field, and uh, ultimately I would go ahead and, and encourage those who are listening. The important thing is that you have a desire to see people saved and be used by God. And whether that is the, the direction that you feel like God is leading you is here in the States or in some type of mission capacity, the important thing is that you keep that desire. But what happened in my life was I was a student at Hiles Anderson College, and uh, between my sophomore and my junior year, uh, I came home 
and uh, I got a job at a pencil factory here in Shelbyville. And shortly after getting that job, my pastor, Dr. Jim Tedder, he came to me and said, I want you to work for me over the summer. So I was elated about that. And I immediately started working here at Victory Baptist Church for that summer. Uh, of course, my main thing that I did was to work with young people. We were able to do a big youth rally uh, that saw several hundred people come. And it was, it was just phenomenal what God did that summer. And the main thing he did was that he changed my heart. Uh, I left that summer really desiring to be able to come back to possibly to Victory Baptist and work, but to work with young people. I'll be honest, my desire was to come back here, but I didn't think that would ever happen. I really didn't. Of course, obviously God did that for me, and he said he'd give you the desires of your heart, and, um, and he did that in my life. So when I came back to college for my junior year, uh, the Lord had changed my heart, and I was hoping that uh, he would allow me to go into youth work, which he did. And so that's sort of the way God changed things for me. Wonderful. I know that I can think back to my own life. I don't think I've given my testimony on the podcast before, and I may do that one day. But I remember back in my life, my freshman year of college, I wanted to be a business owner, and then later that semester I answered the call to preach, and the Lord changed my desires. And you may be sitting here listening to this thinking, you know, I have my life planned out. I know what I want to do when I grow up. But the thing is, you don't know what God has in store for you. He could change your plans. And the great thing is, if he changes your plans, he'll change your desires. He'll make you enjoy whatever it is that God calls you to. So don't be scared of God's calling in your life because God's calling is perfect. And whatever plan he has for you in your life is exactly what God has in store for you. But our next question, Brother Lloyd, if you could answer this, uh, if you could outline for us your ministry experiences, maybe where you went to college at, where you've served at after that, what years, and your role at those places or place and so forth. I've been very fortunate to have a lot of opportunity and a lot of encouragement to stay involved in the ministry work ever since I was a teenager here at Victory Baptist Church. Uh, my father started the bus ministry here, so at the age of eight, when our family moved here, I immediately began to work on a bus route. And uh, so my heartbeat's always been in the bus ministry. And um, my junior year in high school, I actually began to do my own junior church here. Uh, they gave me uh, one of the junior church weeks. Uh, the workers would rotate, and they gave me a week, so my junior and senior year of high school, I was actually in charge of a junior church, and I enjoyed that. Uh, the Lord led me in 1992 to Howes Anderson College, and um, while I was there, I immediately got involved in the bus ministry. My heart was already there in bus work, and the whole, whole four years there at college, I, I worked in the bus ministry. I also became a Sunday school teacher while I was up there. And, uh, and involved in just general uh, soul winning outreaches while I was at the college. I graduated in 96 and uh, God called me and opened the door and called me to come on staff here at Victory Baptist Church. Uh, when I came on staff, I was uh, my pastor's assistant to do whatever he needed me to do. That was my main job description. And, um, and I guess secondary, I became youth pastor. And so in the last 24 years of being here, I've worked with the youth department. I've continued to be a bus captain. I, um, I'm in charge of a lot of the maintenance. Uh, I've been over the uh, radio program that our church has here. Um, we do our own youth camp and, uh, and of course, our Young Fundamentalist Youth uh, 
youth program. We've been running that for several years. Um, God's given me the opportunity to teach in the school. I, I've been teaching a, uh, a junior class, 11th graders, on finance and soul winning. I'm in charge of the uh, chapel and many things that I do here. So, uh, and uh, just uh, let's see here, October the 11th, I was called to be pastor here at Victory Baptist Church, and, and that's a long story and how God moved there. But uh, God's been good, and I guess that sums it all up. I'm just getting started as pastor, but my heart has been here at Victory for since I was eight years old. Mm. So I certainly enjoy what God's called me to do. Wonderful. That's great there. And if you were listening, you probably heard quite a few different job descriptions of youth pastor and teaching in the school and camp and bus driver, all kinds of different things. And hopefully in hearing that, you caught a glimpse of what was being said there. And the fact was that he was busy from a child on up. And the thing is, if you want to make a difference for God, the great thing is it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. He's in his 40s now, and he's been serving God faithfully since he was 8, 9, 10 years old. You may be listening, and you may be even a child, maybe around his age when he started serving God. And the thing is, you can serve God wherever you're at. You can be a teenager or a young adult, an older person. And you can always step out in faith, and as long as you're working for God, He'll keep you busy. He'll bless you, He'll encourage you, and I'm sure if you talk to Brother Lloyd personally, He could tell you all the different great blessings and benefits God has given him and helped him with because of the fact that he was busy serving God and all the great stories he could tell of how God's worked in his life because of the fact that he was busy. And the thing is, if you're busy for God, God promises to use you. He promises to bless you. And that's just a brief little challenge there that was given through that. Hopefully you caught that in the spirit of what was being said. But as, as he mentioned, he was a youth pastor for 24 years. Another day I saw a statistic saying that the average youth pastor stays for about five months. So if your youth pastor's been staying at your church longer than five months, you have what's considered a rarity. And the fact is he's been here for 24 years, 24 years, which is almost unheard of. So I just want to ask him a question here about youth ministry. And I know in regards to teenagers, a big thing is trying to find the quote-unquote will of God in their life. So just a simple question. What do you think is the biggest hindrance to teenagers finding that? Um, clearly, uh, probably the greatest enemy of doing God's will in your life would be carnality. Uh, it's just simply, it, it isn't necessarily, at least my experience, hasn't been necessarily uh, gross immorality or, or terrible sins, but the fact that most people just want to live their life and do what's fun and do what they want to do and young people especially they mm-hmm. uh, they have their dreams they want to have the nice house they want to have a nice vehicle and and somehow they think that if they give totally over to God they're gonna miss out on the things in life that they want so badly and that carnal nature that we have uh, draws us away from our spiritual nature and if you're gonna serve the Lord you do have to feed the spiritual side and not the carnal side and what I've seen with young people is uh, the greatest enemy is that they're just afraid they're going to miss out on something. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that uh, no good thing will he mm. withhold from them that walk uprightly. Amen. And as we said, I, the Lord's had me involved uh, largely because of good Christian parents, uh, a fantastic pastor and a church that I've been a part of. But I've been a part of ministry work since I've been a kid. And, um, and it's been the, the most enjoyable thing I could have ever imagined. Uh, so many of the things that I thought I would miss out on by serving God, God has still given to me and greater. And so I would encourage any young person listening, don't think that because 
if you give your life to the Lord, you're going to miss out on all the fun. You're just not. Uh, you're going to experience the most full and rich lifestyle mm. that's available. And that's a lifestyle lived for God. And uh, the problem is, though, young people, because of carnality, they want to do what they want to do, listen to what they want to listen to, be a part of what they want to be a part of, and they don't want to be told no uh, about anything, then that immediately puts them at odds with a God who says, hey, it isn't every path you can take. It's the right path I want you to take. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that's that's the greatest enemy mm. of, of doing the will of God is just our own simple carnal nature. Mm. And along with that, you kind of hit on hit it on hit on it as you were explaining it there. But how do you think that hindrance could be avoided as a teenager? Um, probably, I, as it's been my experience that parents play a huge role here. Uh, it really, as a youth pastor, my hands tended to be tied if the parents were carnal-minded, if the parents were worried about uh, little Susie or little Billy getting the best-paying job and, and being able to be, quote, successful in, in life instead of being successful with God. Um, and so I've noticed that Christian parents who encourage their kids by example and by teaching encourage their kids to live for God and, and they're constantly showing them by example and by teaching that the life lived for Christ is the greatest, those are the kids that end up uh, considering and actually following that lifestyle. Um, I do my best or did my best as a youth pastor to uh, preach that truth, but I found that if the parents aren't echoing that truth, then uh, most of my work went in vain. Hmm. Uh, most kids ultimately would end up just living for themselves and doing and not being and once again the, the problem isn't necessarily as a youth pastor sometimes we're we feel like we got to fight these terrible gross and moral sins and we do but but the real problem is not so much the uh, sin it's just the carnality the yeah. natural tendency <clears throat> for everybody to want to live for themselves and that of course is a great enemy to living for Christ mm. It's a very powerful truth there. He mentioned hopefully you'll grasp that and take hold of what he said there. It was very powerful. It was a help to me just then. And I'm sure listening, it was a help and an encouragement and a challenge to you as well. But for our next question here, as he, as he mentioned, uh, Dr. Jim, Chatter, Jim Tedder, excuse me, he was our pastor here at Victory Baptist Church for over 58 years. Amen. And it's a wonderful encouragement, a beacon of light, a rock in the community, been there his entire life. And I know you think of hearing a pastor staying somewhere 5, 10, 15 years is almost unheard of, but 58 years, I only can think of maybe one or two or three other people that have been at a church maybe that long or a little more and around that. So it's a very a great rarity having someone that be at a church that long. And Brother Lloyd, you were blessed and had the privilege to be his assistant for 24 years. And what do you think is probably the biggest spiritual lesson that he taught you, whether in word or deed, that you carry with you today? Um, you know, immediately, I think the greatest thing he taught me was to, and he, he being our pastor and having a pastor's heart, is to take people where they're at, love them where they're at, accept what they'll give you. Um, instead of being upset with what they won't give you, take what they'll give you, the time they'll give you, the life they'll give you, the faithfulness they'll give you, and work with it. And love people where they're at. Instead of being upset with uh, them not being where they should be, love them where they're at mm -hmm. and help them to get to where they should be. Uh, he was a master at doing that. 
He could take any Christian at whatever level their Christianity was and make them feel accepted and loved and needed and plug them in to the ministry wherever they would allow him to plug them in at. Uh, the second thing that I think uh, that I always think of that he taught me that is one of the lessons I think is just priceless is that time changes a lot of things. Um, a lot of times we want to make the change happen, and sometimes you've got to. You can't wait around. You've got to make the change happen. But most of the time, a little time will straighten out a lot of problems. And instead of jumping in there and making the situation worse, I've watched my pastor be extremely patient and allow time to take care of the issue, time to make the change. And uh, that, I've seen him use it again and again. I've seen God work again and again. So those are the two things. Mm. And then the third one that I would say is he made much of the Word of God. Mm. Uh, his preaching was uh, scriptural-based, a lot of scripture, everything, every major point had scripture to back it up. Uh, he didn't preach his opinion. He preached the Word of God. And uh, he made a lot of God's Word. And so uh, that is the best kind of preacher I think there is. I think it's the only type of preacher there should be. Unfortunately, a lot are out there with uh, preaching personality and, um, and uh, charisma and trying to entertain. Our pastor had charisma, and he was very entertaining, one of the most humorous men I've ever <laughs> heard preach. But he preached the Word of God, and his sermons were packed full of scripture. He was a Bible preacher. Amen. Those are some great lessons there, and I can help echo the same things he said. For me as well, the biggest lesson that I ever learned through the ministry of Dr. Jim Tedder was the fact that he loved the Word of God. In every sermon I've ever heard him preach, I think he's always had at least five to six verses from different, or different passages of scripture for every sermon. I can think back to some of his outlines that he would give to the people, and they'd have 20, 25, even 30 scripture references to go along with what he was saying. And that was the one thing I could always count on is the fact that he was preaching the Word of God. Amen. It wasn't just read a verse, put your Bible aside, and that was it. He would read 20, 30, 40 verses to go along with what he was saying, and he literally preached the Bible like no other. And if you're listening here and you've answered the call to preach, if you think God wants you to be a preacher, the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway he taught me when I was young, whenever I answered the call to preach a couple years ago, he told me just preach the book. He said, anyone can be a better speaker than you, anyone could be better public speaker, whatever the case is. But he said, you can just preach the book. That's all, that's all it takes is just preaching that book, preaching the Bible. And if you're a preacher here listening, the biggest thing, the best thing you can do to help your ministry and help yourself grow as a preacher is just preach the book. He said, be a student of the word and help share people, share with people what you learned through studying it. So be, just be a student of the book. That's the biggest thing you can learn as a Christian is just to study the word of God and to study the Bible. So that what I would say was the biggest thing he taught me was just to have a reverence for the Word of God and just to love it and cherish it and study it often and to preach it. Another question here for you, Brother Lloyd, closing up, just a few more left. But here on Sunday nights at our church, since you've been the pastor, you've been preaching through 1 Corinthians, and we're several chapters in already. And what do you think is the one thing, maybe one thing that God has shown you through studying and preaching that book? Maybe a spiritual lesson or application, just a big takeaway from it. By being a pastor, one of the good things that I've enjoyed is that I do have more opportunity to preach. And since I've been given this kind of opportunity, I've been able to uh, just take one book of the Bible, as you said, 1 Corinthians, and preach through the book. 
And what I have found, it's, it has amazed me that you would assume that if you are, you know, uh, putting yourself on that type of a, a, a plan or you're putting yourself on that type of a route that, you know, well, what if uh, folks need something other than what the next verses are? But I found again and again that exactly what we needed was what was coming up next. Mm. It has blown my mind. I, this has the, been the first opportunity I've had to preach through an entire book and take it verse at a time. The other thing I love about doing this type, style of preaching is that uh, is that uh, you you can't you can't ignore anything. People know what's coming next, and they they're going to notice if you skip verses because they happen to be controversial. Uh, if anyone reads First Corinthians, you'll know that there's a lot of controversy in that book. And uh, but by preaching through a book of the Bible, you can't avoid it. You've mm-hmm. got to meet it. You've got to answer the questions. You've got to study to show yourself approved. I have thoroughly enjoyed it because it has made me look into subjects that normally I may have avoided. I may have felt uh, not felt the need to address. So I have really enjoyed it. Um, and last of all, if you're preaching through a book, no one can accuse you of uh, picking on them because obviously you're just taking the next verses that are coming up so they know what's coming. Uh, so we do it on Sunday night. I don't think it would be wise to do it every service, uh, but praise the Lord, we have three services a week so we can dedicate one service to a book of the Bible. And that's what we're doing here at Victory Baptist on Sunday nights. And um, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, before you came in, I was working on my Sunday night message, mm. not for this Sunday night, but for the next. And so uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. It's, just, it's helped me. It's helped me to grow. Wonderful. That's great there. And whenever you're preaching through a book of the Bible like that, just us as a congregation, for instance, we know what verses are coming next, what chapter is coming next, and you may view that as a turnoff. But on the flip side, you should view that as something to look forward to, saying, hey, you know what, our preacher this week's going to be preaching on this passage. And if your pastor does that, that can help you be a better prayer warrior for your pastor because then you can begin to pray for that passage he's going to be preaching through that, you'll, that God will lay the right sermon on his heart through those verses and so forth. So if your pastor does that, I would encourage you to begin praying through that book and praying and asking God to use that book to speak to him, which is in turn going to speak to you. And then lastly, here, just one more question and we'll close it out here. I know your life verse, one of your favorite verses is Psalm 1-1, and I'll read it here in a second. But after I finish reading it here, do you mind giving maybe a quick challenge to the audience from that verse or from Psalm 1 there? Sure. But Psalm 1-1, his life verse is, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Yes, sir. That, that verse of Scripture has a lot of truth in it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, it is so important, the counsel you listen to, uh, the people you learn from, the, the people whose counsel you'll listen to. Uh, you're going to get counseled from television. You'll get counseled from music. You'll get counseled from friends, from parents, from teachers. And so the counsel you listen to is extremely important. It will impact your life. It will affect you. So you have to be careful who you're around and whose uh, advice you're listening to. And so the Bible says, blessed is the man who, um, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Uh, one of my biggest fears is that I would do something or say something that would cause somebody to not be saved, cause a lost man to turn away from Christ. 
that is a fear that I have, and I don't want that to happen, to stand in, in the way of sinners, to keep someone from coming to know Christ. And, and a child of God should be very concerned about this. So it does matter how we live and how we talk to people and how we interact because we could stand in the way of sinners. We could keep somebody from coming to Christ. Now, I understand ultimately everybody will give an account of whether or not they receive Christ. They'll not be able to blame it entirely on anyone, but you and I could have a positive or a negative impact or effect on those who um, who are not saved. And then it says, or sinners in the seat, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Um, the biggest group of people that stand in the way of sinners are the scornful. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of believers, because they are so carnal, it goes back to one of my original premises, they are full of scorning and they make fun of the man of God and, and they scorn the people of God and they attack their old church and the people who tried to help and love them. And these scorners are the very people who are standing in the way of sinners. Um, don't be a scorner. Uh, there is no excuse for being a scorner. And scorners will be chastised. They will be punished. Indeed, they should be. Because a scorner is one that will turn the simple away from Christ. Mm -hmm. And so don't be a scorner. And all of us fight this. I have, from time to time, I have to watch my attitude. Because if I don't watch it, I'll become a scorner, and you will too. Uh, so if you're listening today, I encourage you to guard against that kind of attitude. You're going to find that uh, the leadership has issues, and, and they make mistakes, and they'll be wrong from time to time. I definitely have been wrong many a time. But don't allow other people's weaknesses to turn you to scorning, because nothing does more damage to the work of God than scorners. Mm -hmm. And um, I, my heart trembles for those who have become a scorner because they will answer for that. And they are standing in the way of sinners coming to know Christ. Um, so anyway, that's what I take from those, that verse. It is my life's verse, and, and I love that verse of Scripture. Thank you for that. Hopefully, as you were listening, you caught on to what he was saying. And that was some very powerful words he gave, a very great challenge there from Psalm 1-1. And hopefully you'll take it to heart. I pray that you will. But thank you, Brother Lloyd, for taking time out of your day and doing this interview. I know it meant yes, a lot sir. for me, for you doing this. And I'm supposed to say thank you so much for doing it. And for those that are listening, thank you for being patient. Thank you for listening to this. And I pray that it will be a blessing to you. And then lastly here, Brother Lloyd, do you mind closing this podcast episode out in a word of prayer? Yes, yes. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much. And I thank you for Brother Colton Prater and his dedication. I pray that you'll use him and protect him, help him to... Uh, to stay on this path of following you. I pray for those who took the time to listen. Thank you for them. I ask you that you'll bless them and that you'll guide them. And I encourage them, Father, to understand that the greatest life they could live is a life lived for you. There's nothing better. There's nothing more enjoyable. There's nothing more rewarding and more fulfilling than living for you. And dear God, we thank you that you allow us to do just that. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to speak of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.